You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie and I'm here with my new friend, Cynthia Davis. How are you, Cynthia? I'm doing good today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Tell the people all your credentials. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, well. Um... So I teach um, narrative nonfiction and journalism at Christopher Newport University in Virginia, in Newport News, Virginia. And I've been writing for like all my life since was May 7. So um, I don't know if that's credentials you're looking for, but that's what I've got. Sorry, my mute button on my microphone is being stupid. Oh, no. (laughs) Friends, technical difficulties are just part of podcasting, so forgive me, and if you're really bothered by it, well, this is probably not the podcast for you. (laughs) (laughs) This is a funny time podcast. Anyways, Cynthia, tell the friends a little bit about your life story, how you got to where you are today, your testimony, all those triggering things. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I just like him in double there. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, yeah, so I grew up, uh, I was born into a house where um, we were just normal people. There was no church at all when I was very young. And then um, my father was a broadcaster, and a newscaster specifically. And he was, we were moving every few months or years as he would um, kind of go further and further up the ladder and get into better markets. And then he kind of reached a part in his career. I was five where he was in a really good um, market and he had everything he wanted and he realized that it wasn't what he hoped. So he decided to move the family out to the country. I'm using air quotes here. I um, mean, it really was the country, but you know, that myth of moving out to the country and, and doing uh, all the row kind of things things like plant a garden and live off the land and all this. And, uh, he started, um, doing some more spiritual skiing. Um, he was, um, before we moved, he was doing things like transcendental meditation and stuff like that. But then, um, he heard Billy Graham and got, um, saved and, uh, started going to church and I started tagging along and, uh, we all kind of churches, like the whole cornucopia of religious expression. You know, we were at Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches, Bible Baptist, and regular Baptist, and there was a charismatic stint. So I got to see the whole gamut. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, it's just it stood out to me from a really early age how None of the like same and different, if that makes sense. Um, they were the same in that there was always these um super important deals that it will do. 
And um, they were different in that none of those ideals were the same. <laughs> like oh, at one time, it was just bright, it was super dancer to play cards. And then in another church, they cared a lot about whether or not you spoke in tongues or uh, there was just lines of demarcation. And it just what it didn't escape my attention, how the, whatever the was that cared about was the lips test, right? You were either in or you were out. Mm. So I started noticing, you know, these lines, demarcation and understanding that belonging um, equated to staying within those lines. And uh, how I got here, how that's, uh, I was continuing, right? Like I, um, you know, that was my upbringing, but after I got married, my husband was the same way. He grew up in church, um, same as I did, maybe quite in many churches, but, um, you know, we were church people. That's what you did. So we settled into church and uh, stayed there for a really long time um, until we, uh, we kind of realized that, uh, I, I guess it's, it's kind of like my hate forest, right? Um, it's really the IPTQI plus issue that, that did it for me. Yeah. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there was, there's a whole, um, situation <laughs> around that, that I, my hand was forced, you know, I had to, uh, I'd been a quiet ally if that's possible. I, I came to learn that true allyship has a cost to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my mind was forced in that I had to take a stand in a rather public way. And that is what, um, eventually led to deconstruct from going to church per se. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. Yeah. same for me. I, so I'm so glad to finally have somebody on here that, Ugh, knows the struggle of the tongues and if you didn't speak in tongues you were a bad christian <laughs> that's so hard to explain to people no it, it was like i went i was on both sides of this it was if you did speak in tongues one church like that was the epitome of all mm. was speaking in tongues mm-hmm. and then one night i remember we like our pastor disappeared one day and we came to find out what and he spoke in tongues, so he had to go. And I'm like, oh boy, that's that's bad. And I'm I'm little, I and mean, I'm less than yeah. years old at this point. And then I came downstairs one night to get a cup of water, and I heard my dad this ginormous kitchen. And I don't even know if it's a word, but um, he was in the back of the kitchen in this wood burning stove, and he was kind of like punched by the burning stove and fervent there. And I came to realize that this wasn't uh, comprehensible English that I was hearing. And, I, and it, all in a flash, and, oh, it's tongues. And so I just I tiptoed away and waited for further developments because I knew we lost our pastor for, for this. And then sure, a few weeks later, um, we got in the car and went to charismatic church. And, uh, and then there it was like, you had to speak in tongues, like you're saying. <laughs> yep. I know. I remember when I went to the Baptist church after my parents' Pentecostal church, they weren't like anti-speaking in tongues per se, but they were like, well, it doesn't really matter if you don't have anybody there to interpret for you. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so it was a little like, yeah, I'm sure it'll happen, but also like, 
so you need a translator and it's like oh a translator for speaking in tongue sure sure there jimmy <laughs> oh my gosh well you're working on some cool projects tell the p- folks about those projects i just um a couple months ago uh now in august i um, had a book come out and it is um it's a dual narrative um, and it's my story and my friend Danny's story and, um, and how our stories came together. And, uh, it's, it's in parts story, Danny's story, then our story, um, mm. into authenticity. Um, because my friend is, um, is intersex and, um, we were both at the same church. I didn't know he was intersex. I thought he was, um, I just thought he was, uh, he had a female person, so I thought they were lesbians. And I was thrilled at this point to be at a church where it appeared that we had uh, we had a lesbian couple that was in ministry. And that was that seemed like, oh, this is great. This is progress. And this church was really um welcoming. We had all kinds of people. Uh, we had everything from uh, NASA scientists and doctors to um people who were regular users and homeless. It was just the whole gamut. Um, and everybody was welcome. So this felt really good to me at the time. And then, uh, one day, um, my friend, uh, who I was more friends with, um, his partner, he was spending uh, email at the time. So I, um, you know, I was friends with his partner and didn't really know him who I knew as, as her at that point. Um, well, but I got a kind of send um, to a sandwich shop where, um, my friend Danny said, uh, so I need to tell you something. I, I'm not, uh, you may have heard Well, actually how he started is you may have heard the term hermaphrodite before and it's an archaic term and we don't use it anymore but it has to do with being both male and female. And that would describe me. Hmm. And he said, yeah, I'm like, okay, okay. And he said, well, I've been presenting female for the last, you know, 35 years. Um, because I have been afraid of losing my faith and my family. I thought everybody was, and I still think everybody is going to leave when they find out. And, um, one thing that I didn't know about intersex and a lot of people don't know about intersex is there is a huge physical component to it. And Danny was um, in many ways fighting for his life at that point. Um, emotionally, yes, but there were so many physical problems, um, were going on and that actually come with, um, the hormonal imbalance that can exist when you're intersex and, wasn't an option anymore for any to um, either physically or emotionally or spiritually on any level for him to continue um, not telling anybody because he said a word to anyone for about literally 35 years. Mm. And yeah, yeah. So he'd been living with this and um, knew that Thing, like I said, things were falling apart. So he said, I, I need a team of people to rally around me. And I understand, you know, just from the time that we had spent together from talking with the people that you and husband are, are safe people to talk with. Um, and I just need to know, are you, would you be 
would you be there with me? You know, as my friend, as I go through this and that was a no brainer for me, you know, sure. Yeah. Um, because I had a lot of friends that were in the community and that was nothing that was surprising to me in any way. Um, and I was completely bored with that knowing that I was really going to be tested in about a week. (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, you know, it's easy to give lip service to Mm -hmm. being an ally and to say, yeah, I have gay friends and uh, my friends, friends and they come to my house and we have dinner and it's great. And that's one thing, but um, and, and that's kind of the level of sport that I know up until that point, but, um, you know, life has surprises in store. <laughs> and, uh, and at that time I had been, um, I was getting my MFA in narrative nonfiction. And so I had, um, I had class that I had to go to and I had, um, work at the university that I, um, I was getting my MFA from, but I was also teaching as an adjunct different university. Um, it was uh, about a half hour away and a second university that was in Burring State of in Virginia in the South University in North Carolina. So I was doing a circuit every week. God, um, God bless to, you. Uh, oh yeah. I'm going to three universities through two different bridge tunnels and crossing a state line every single week, just in this academia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking at some point, something's going to happen. Good. Something good will happen. My, this won't be my career. I'm basically, you know, Chevy Spark is my office and <laughs> I've got a tumbleweed of clothes in the back, snappers, <laughs> riding shotgun. Yep. <laughs> I've got ungraded papers in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's life. Thinking, but at the point, at this point, it just kind of felt like, oh, I've got a lot of options, and and this is fun um, for a while, and something good is going to happen. Lo and behold. Um, this was 2014. And I think we were at about August. No, I'm sorry, October 2014. So we're mid-semester. And this um, university that I was at in North Carolina, it was a teeny tiny place at 300 students, less 300 students. And were um, they were accredited as a university, but they were a Bible school. Mm. And yeah, and they were accredited, but they had some sort of an audit, I guess, that had happened, and they were told that they needed to hire someone. That because uh, I teach English, and they were told that they needed to have a full-time English person um, on staff immediately. Like they had a period of time to satisfy the requirement, and I was the only one on campus that had anything close to those credentials because, you know, tiny school like that, yeah. they don't have big staff. <laughs> so there weren't a lot of options. So basically to make a long story short, they kind of said, Hey, there's a position this track. Um, and you're up. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, wow. <laughs> you know, for people outside of academia, tier, a tenure track job, is something that does not just happen. And it doesn't happen to somebody 
who hasn't completed their MFA and it doesn't happen in the middle of a semester and it doesn't just get handed to you. There's these PhD that just scratch and go on, you know, scrapping and, and pawing through, you know, all the uh, online job posting for years, just trying to position like, so it was, um, it was kind of a heady experience, but, um, they were said, you know, we have some formats to go through. Um, but you know, it looks good. So, um, I'm through this process that again, was just kind of a malady. And at the very end of it, they said, um, you, we have this, um, last document that we want you to sign. And it was a married family statement, which, mm. uh, that's code for, <laughs> we want to make sure you're not an ally. Basically it was, uh, was worded along the lines of, um, they kind of listed out all of the variations of, you know, every so-called sin they could think of that was a sexual sin. And they said, basically, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. And then here's this whole list. And, um, these things are repugnant and offensive to God and the principles of this university. I'm ready to fight yeah, already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to yeah. throw down. <laughs> and they said, we don't think you'll have any problems with this, but go ahead. You know, the, you have to sign this to work here. And I worked there actually. So, um, <laughs> um, but they had just adopted it because in Virginia, um, Virginia had just legalized gay marriage and this neighboring state, they wanted to be prepared and have, um, you know, policy in place for, in case uh, this, this light came down to, <laughs> to North Carolina, they wanted to have their statement ready. So, um, you know, of course, as an ally, it wasn't something that I believed in, but also I'm thinking, um, you know, Danny, right. I had just said, I was going to be supporting of him and, and, um, and different people were saying, well, you know, you could just sign it and just kind of keep your opinions to yourself. Um, just kind of be a secret ally. Um, but you know, that's problematic, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. no shade to those who do that. Cause I think there's also a place for that, but I mean, if you go in for that specific reason, I don't know. Maybe not. I'm. Just, it's a complicated issue, right? Like people need to eat and have jobs, right. but I, I would not feel very comfy. <laughs> right, and I'm thinking all these things. Right, you know, it just, um, yeah. People, people should have employment, and and um, there is, like, you know, statistically, just even from things that I knew from already working at that campus, you know, there are gay people there. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I went through the, the math, like, you know, there's probably people here that, um, it could be sort of like an underground rail railroad situation, you know? <laughs> where, you know, I'm the safe person that people can come yeah. to and <laughs> you know, I, thought of, I thought all those things. <laughs> things but um i got into a series of conversations and because i decided i'm just going to, i'm going to go for it i'm going to tell um i'm going to tell them because uh, at this point i was already writing something about intersex for my um for my thesis mm -hmm. and um decided to talk about that and uh some 
extremely interesting conversations ensued. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, even I went to private Christian university and it was on the more liberal side as far as Christian universities go. But you still right. like like part of it was like you could be gay but you can't like be proselytizing about it on campus you can have a boyfriend no pda blah blah blah. and i mean luckily not a lot of kids got you know kicked out for stuff like that but it also wasn't it was still kind of a threat it was veiled but something strikes me mm. as um thinking that virginia is probably not as lax as california <laughs> <laughs> right right exactly Exactly. Um, we were very clear that you were not allowed to um, to be gay, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, repugnance, pretty strong language. Um, and what really boiled down for me to boiled down to for me was a matter of authenticity. Yeah, because I kept thinking about how would it be to go to work every day and to know that everyone assumed that I believe in this way and to have to uphold those views. Uh, to have like a student who was clearly gay and you can't even be safe for them because you could lose your job. Right. What would that look like? An underground railroad situation yeah. being safe space. What would that even look like? You know, I couldn't fathom how, how that would play out, right? You know, it's, it, it seemed very like it wasn't end well, and and I had seen, I had seen growing up in church the shunnings that take place. You know, when somebody strays inside the lines, um, mm -hmm. you know, they disappear. They're not yeah. welcome anymore. And you know, I figured that was how it was going to one way or another. So. You know, it just seemed easier to go in and just say, hey, these are my views. This is what I'm working on, you know, in, in my work from the MFA and to either have them accept it or not. Yeah. What they end up saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, the president of the university um, was asking me, um, about my thesis. And I, I told him that I was writing about intersex people. And I said, specifically, I'm also looking at, um, intersex people in church. And he just basically immobilized for a moment. And he was, he said, that sounds like that L G B T. Q. Like he's he's like he's picking the letters oh out of God. some like, alphabet soup, you know. <laughs> that sounds like the LGBTQ nonsense, and I'm like wow. <laughs> um, and then uh, so I said, well, not exactly. It's not that. And you know, I said intersex actually is is uh, is biological. Uh, there's a biological uh, basis for it. And he said, well, if it's not gay, it's kissing cousins. And then he just burst out laughing like that was just the funniest <sighs> joke you were no kissing cousins wouldn't you asshole <laughs> <laughs> so then he says i bet your secular university just loves this <laughs> and um you know he just started actually getting angry with me which felt 
weird and intimidating. One moment, here I am, a professional woman, um, getting, you know, interviewing for uh, a tenured professorship. And the next, you know, he's he's actually angry with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then it, it just quick switched the conversation to, um, do you support, uh, or what do you think about, uh, being gay and i said well i'm not gay so it's not the right decision for me and just kind of deflecting it and and he just turned beet red and he said that's what um that's what my sons do that make me so angry he's trying to subject it (laughs) (laughs) realizing that he's he's going to fall on you know disappointed father on me (laughs) oh bite me asshole but also how satisfying And shocking enough, I thought the whole thing was going to be over after this conversation, but um, the academic dean was still thinking it could be salvaged. And um, he he came to my church that I was attending at the time where Danny also Mm -hmm. was attending. And um, you know, he said, this is part of the hiring process. We want to see what kind of environment you come from. And I'm thinking, but I just kind of like took your marriage family statement and sort of built it up and threw it back at you. So how is there still a hiring process? Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of too, like, it was sort of thought that maybe I'm just ill-informed or maybe I don't understand what I'm talking about with all the little gaining. Um, but, uh, you know, he came to church and that, you know, then he says, well, we've got to wrap this up pretty quickly. And um, what I'd like to do is get you on the phone tomorrow with our most conservative faculty member who the whole board defers to on matters of spirituality. I'm thinking, Ew! <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I know at this point, there's no way I'm getting this job, but okay, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to talk about why I feel the way I do and talk about, you know, how I believe um, that there really isn't a scriptural basis to condemn homosexuality mm. or certainly not intersex individuals you know there's just nothing there and and i'll, I'll have the conversation and so uh, we got us uh, the call the next day and uh, they said well we've conferred and we we don't think that um marriage and play statement would apply to intersex people and i said oh interesting tell me more and and then um they basically uh, acknowledged that there was you know a biology but then they said so i need you though to to just to clarify where do you see the sin in the situation though and i said i don't understand what do you mean sin in intersex and he says well you know you know and i said i really don't <laughs> and uh well, you know, in Brent's case, um, you know, where do you see the sin in his situation? Um, and I, I'm drawing a blank. And so, you know, things that would have to be given up. And then I said, oh, are you suggesting that in order to be intersex, you also have to be celibate? And he says, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. I said, well, I don't even believe that. And, what? And B, how, you know, what? <laughs> right? 
And nothing had been said about, you know, his dating life or anything. And I'm just thinking, you're making a ton of assumption. Uh, and it basically wanted me to say that, yeah, if you're intersex, you need to be it. Because either way intersex. you're being gay or what? Like what? <laughs> what is no happening? <laughs> that was my, you know, I just, I was baffled. I was confused. And it was obvious that the conversation wasn't going anywhere. And they sort of bailed on it and then sent me an email saying, you know, we've, I think we're just talking past each other here. This isn't going to work. And I think we are not talking past each other and this is not going to work. Yeah. Ew. I hate that. I hated it too. It's so frustrating for me because I feel like these presumably white men, I'm going to assume that they're white men. Yes. Yes. For man, they were all white. Of course. <laughs> that they're just pulling scripture out of their ass in the sense that they don't even have any basis for this. They're just like trying to make something fit because they think it's icky, right? They're like, oh two genitalia no no sex for you when it's like your dick is probably gross as hell and nobody's telling you not to have sex it's just so bizarre to me you know that 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 was that was what we're going to it was the whole you know the whole thing ends here if you'll just say that there's sin and that he has to be celibate that you know we'll we'll move forward (laughs) i know that's even like the argument that my dad's church he was a different church now so pretty latin pentecostally um shofar is a whole nine yards it's pretty funny but they like have this more quote-unquote compassionate view that wow gay people just have a really hard life like we have to accept them in our churches because like their lives are harder than ours because in order to stay right with god they have to be celibate for the rest of their lives they could be gay but they just can't act on it i was like oh fuck you dad what the hell like people are just trying to find love and acceptance and oh no that's a sin whatever Right. And if I would have said that, if I would have said that at any point in the interview, um, I think I it would have hired me. If I would have said, yeah, you know, people can be gay, but, you know, it, they just can't act on it. And, it, you know, if you do act on it, it's sin. That's what they were looking for. Yeah. They want me to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, ugh. And it's so annoying because these same conservative people are like, oh, well, this is what the Bible says. But they don't even look into, like, the history of anything that has to do with scripture. It's just like, well, somebody told me the King James Version was the best one, so I guess I'll just stick with it. Like, okay, well, you're not really doing your due diligence there, are you, as an academic? Yeah, and there was was some conversation around that, too, because um, some of the – one of the – um, people that I was talking with was a linguist and the other one was a archaeologist. And, you know, between the two of them, they basically felt that they could, um, you know, uh, an interpret any scriptures dug up and the strata of soil where they found it. And mm. you know, they, they knew, you know, all the things. And, you know, it was, um, it was interesting because they said the reason why this conversation has fallen apart is because uh, the the academic dean wrote me, I just can't believe that science, the Bible, wouldn't agree. And 
and I'm thinking like, it really doesn't even have to come down to that. Right. Because right? the Bible will speak on many of these things and, you know, the so-called clobber passages that they use to condemn homosexuality, they can be interpreted vastly differently than, than what the standard conservative interpretation is. And, and they have such weak footing for it, but yet they're going to, they're going to double down mm. and not, not welcoming inclusive. And what really, and what I said actually was, you know, I had been a youth leader um, years ago and I had, um, I was at a Baptist church and out of the 12 people in our youth group, a core of them ended up being gay. Mm. Um, and you know, it wasn't like that was well known or anything, but during the, the 18 months that I worked with this particular group, I found out four of those students were, were gay. And the one that actually came to me, it, it's still to this day, it, it kind of puts me in since talked to him, but this, this kid come, comes into my office and he was active church and he was, I mean, group happened without him. He was just mm-hmm. there when the doors were open. He was there for everything that we did. And one day he can, and, um, I don't remember his, but I remember, you know, that he said, I'm gay. And this is in the nineties, late nineties. I have nothing to offer this kid. Nothing. Um, other than, you know, tr- I'm, I'm trying to be compassionate, hear him. And then I said, Bible calls in and you know, shut down the entire thing. There was, you know, he, to his credit, he continued to come. Hmm. He continued to gave, but he, he just, he knew what, what he could share and what he couldn't. And it was that interaction um, that kind of it, it never sat well with me. And that's what sent me on my own quest. I think it was, this was about probably 1998, 99. I started, I just started absorbing every story I could from people who were gay, people who were kind of on margins and that mm. weren't being included. And, Cause I'm thinking, I, I have to do better next time. I can't, can't not have anything for the next, you know, student that comes along. I can't, this, this, this doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem Christian. It doesn't seem like the way it should be. And, um, you know, I think that was, you know, my mistake was catalyst to start looking at some of these scriptures, start trying to truly understand, um, you know, how, um, other ways to, to think about and to, you know, stories can be a great teacher as well. And I let stories be my teacher. Um, just um, seeking them out, you know, and understanding it. There were, these were people that were just <sighs> wanted more anything to be included and wanted to find God and wanted to be part of a faith community, but they they weren't able to split the switch and be what everyone wanted them to be, you know, to be straight. Yeah, I mean, ugh, it's so, 
Here's my question for you. Um, I also majored in journalism in college, so I, I got some questions. <laughs> okay, bring them. Shut <laughs> up. So having seen all the denominations that you've seen, all the churches that you've gone to, having had the conversion experience with your dad, worked with these universities, do you think there's any, like, hope do you think there's any path forward for <laughs> these churches <laughs> and institutions like do you have what what do you believe is the solution for society when it comes to these churches and are they even included in that solution gosh i mean i think what we're talking about here is evangelical christianity yes i think that yeah, I think the ex-evangelical movement right now, um, we see people just beating past retreat from these spaces. Um, you know, we've got racism, um, you know, Christian nationalism. There are so many problematic points that, are, that seem to be just deeply rooted in many of the evangelical churches that... Mm. You know, I, I I do in my mind draw a distinction between evangelical churches and you know Christianity, um, and I do think that um, there's a reckoning that's happening right now in evangelicalism. It'll be interesting to see what happens, um, but I'm not sure that the hope is going to come from inside of evangelical churches. Mm. I think that will be it will be if there's there's hope it's going to come from inclusion um i know some people look back and say well you know evangelical churches used to um you know have a stance against um racial marriage and you know, they've you know they've the dial moved on that and yeah. you know that right right you know it's just well in some places yeah. it's moved because other places mm, anyways <laughs> not at all i think it's a bad example right yeah. and um and that's the thing that interestingly that's one thing i said to um you know in my parting email with uh the the bible university i just you know this exists as you're training the next generation of um, pastors and teachers um and you know that's your purpose mm. and you're going to be sending this next generation of ministers and leaders out into churches with no more tool than i had in the 90s and it's dangerous and it's irresponsible mm. and the church should be beating a path to rush in and try, you know, when we look at the suicide rate oh, um, yeah. in the LGBT plus community, churches should be being a path to try to be part of that solution and to try mm. to be, to be involved in, in the healing process. Yeah. And it's beating the path of retreat, condemn, um, you know, wall, wall, everything off, keep the spin outside we're going to cluster here so unless that's going to change there there isn't a lot of hope that i see coming from within those spaces mm -hmm. um you know can um can yeah and, but there are churches that do fill that void you know i'm so impressed um 
I know some people in Lutheran and um, Episcopalian churches that do not hold these same views. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I there's going to be good and there's, there's still going to be Christianity. And, but as far as what's going to happen in evangelical and writ large, I don't, I don't see anything good. coming out of that yeah i mean we're on the same page yeah i um lots of people are like oh well we can reform it we can go into these churches and cause all this change and then i think like friend carmen garcia a friend of the pod um always says like you're not gonna change it you're not gonna change it don't put yourself through that just leave leave the toxic churches there's plenty of churches that will love you and uphold you and even if you don't go back to church that's fine too like yep. so on that i'm just kind of a burn it all down type of bitch <laughs> yeah yeah i i think that too i i just i i think that the loving and inclusive churches um i'm just all for them you know filling in the void, you know, people that mm-hmm. are running out of evangelical churches, you know, there's, there's plenty of places that, that we can go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, let, let this, let this burn down, let this, you know, burn itself out. Yeah, I agree. Ugh, this has been a great conversation. We're going to have to have you come back on and talk more deeply about, um, you know, the relationship between intersex and theology. I would love to chat with you about that. Um, but in yes. the meantime, tell the friends where to find you. Plug all away at all your stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a website, CynthiaVacaDavis.com, and Vaca is with a V, um, and that's my maiden name, which, by the way, I took my maiden because in evangelical yeah. Christianity, I wasn't encouraged to have it, and then I just said, no, I want my name back. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> CynthiaVacaDavis.com is my website. Um, my book is called Intersection, and that's with an X. Um, and again, it's just the story of how Danny and I, you know, we were both at this crossroads in life and our lives intersected and, um, we became amazing friends. Danny is a hundred percent involved in, in the book and in its creation mm-hmm. and in its promotion. He's on a podcast with me. So, you know, he's very involved in that. And, um, um, book was published by Lake Drive Books, and you can find it on Amazon and Barnes Noble, and you can ask for it in your libraries and bookstores, and um, it should be it should be available wherever wherever fine books sold. <laughs> I love it, Danny. Come on the pod next time too. Let's do it. Yes, <laughs> that'd yes. be fun. Uh, yes, <laughs> yep. Next time we'll round Danny, and um, we can talk with him, and yeah, he'd do that. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, friends. Well, as always, you can find Speaking in Church at Speaking in Church on Instagram. You can find me at Josie Takes the World. And don't forget to follow us, subscribe, review, whatever you're supposed to say, because it matters. And there's going to be some cool new updates coming up soon. So you don't want to miss those. Instagram is where it's at. Um, Okay, friends, as always, as Josie likes to say, stay woke or get woke. Bye. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.